Welcome to the podcast, from our home to yours, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. It's where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello, ladies. Always great to be with you and to be able to open the word with you and encourage you in your home as a mother with your little ones all around you, maybe a grandmother, uh, single, whoever you are. Uh, Let's just get into the word again today. Today, I'd like to speak to you about how we can change the world. doesn't matter who we are, whether we're a young person, we're still unmarried, whether we are a mother with little children, older children, grandmother. It doesn't matter who we are. Our lives are always influencing someone. And we have the opportunity to change the world in some little way, or maybe even a big way, every day in, in, in our home or wherever we go, even if we go out to the supermarket. We are constantly um, can be available to affect people's lives. The trouble is, I think with most of us, we are too ordinary. We're too boring. We're too mediocre. We're too middle of the road. Most people don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to do anything that would maybe upset anyone. Uh, They don't want to say anything that might challenge somebody because then that person perhaps wouldn't be too happy with them. And so we kind of just stay middle of the road. I think we're never going to change the world when we are just ordinary, when we are middle of the road, when we're on the fence. No, we have to be radical. And as we go into the Word of God, we find that God does not expect us to be normal. No, He expects us to be above the normal, beyond the ordinary, over the top. As we read the Word of God, we read so many adjectives. I'd love you to look out for the adjectives as you're reading the Bible. I'm amazed at God's um, word. It is so extravagant and it's filled with adjectives. When we read about peace, uh, we don't just read the word peace. It, It describes peace. It says that when we have Christ dwelling in us, we have peace that passes all understanding. And that was written to people who were suffering difficult times and persecution. It's not talking about being peaceful because everything's great, the sun's shining, we're sitting on the beach and life's happy. No, it's facing life, facing the difficulties, facing the challenges. No matter what we're facing, 
When Christ dwells within us, we have peace that passes understanding. (laughs) The Word of God talks about joy so much. And it doesn't just only say the word joy. It talks about exceeding joy. It talks about joy unspeakable and full of glory. Once again, that passage, uh, the words where that was were written were written to people who were suffering persecution. The joy that Jesus gives us is not just happiness because everything's going great. It's joy that we have because we Christ dwells in us, because we know that we can trust him. We have an eternal hope. We, we, we have uh, an anchor. We, we know that we can trust our God. When it's talking about life, when Jesus said, I am come to give you life, he didn't only say life. What did he say? I've come to give you life more abundantly. Do you notice everyone has an adjective? And uh, then we go into the Greek or the Hebrew to check out those words. And then we get a whole string of more words to describe that adjective. And when we look up how Jesus wants to give us abundant life, we find that it's life that means super abundantly, over the top, more than enough, beyond the normal. It's beyond mediocrity. Dear precious ladies, can I give you a vision of reality? Not just some, you know, I'm just talking off the top of my head. No, this is God's solid word. This is truth. This is reality. And I have to speak to myself because I have to confess that so often I'm just normal myself. I'm just ordinary. And yet how can that be? How can that be when I have dwelling in me Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is seated at the right hand of the Father with all his enemies under his feet, who will one day be crowned as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, who has all power over the enemy, he dwells in me. Therefore, I am elevated to a new realm of living, not under, but over, overcoming in Christ. So, Let's look at a few points today of how if we're going to be effective in changing the world, and uh, let me pop in here, I want to say to the mothers who feel very trapped in your home and you've got little ones around you, and you think, well, how can I change the world? Dear mother, you are changing the world by mothering your children. By nurturing your little ones, even sitting on your rocking chair, nursing your baby, 
You are impacting the world. It is true, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world because a nation is only what its people are. And not only its people, but then the marriages and the homes and the families. And you as the mother have the greatest power, the greatest potential to mold the lives that God has given to you in your hand, in your home, in your four walls. You have these precious children and you are training them. You are molding them. You are preparing them to go out into this world, to impact this world, to reveal Christ, to reveal his love, to speak out his salvation, to show forth his love and his compassion. And and you're going to raise children who will take Christ into this nation and maybe to many other nations of the world. Now, of course, while they are little, you're not sending them out. I hear many mothers say, oh, I send my children out into the public school to be witnesses for Christ. But I have found that that doesn't usually work like that. It may in some few cases. But it's a tough world out there, even in the public school system, even amongst the children. And then, as they sit in the classroom, being taught by their ungodly teachers, oh, of course, we have some godly teachers dotted here and there who are still in the system trying to be a light. We thank God for them. But on the whole, there are more ungodly teachers because they are trained in an ungodly system. Our colleges today, our universities today are are now training grounds for uh, extreme socialism and leftism and uh, pro-abortion and and, uh, pro-homosexuality and pro-even transgender. It's hard to believe. I mean, there was a time when you, years ago, you could go to college to get a great education uh, and you would not be affected by all this ideology. But now this is the main theme of the professors in our universities and even in our schools, even right down to very young grades. And I can never, ever understand that godly parents would send their children into an ungodly system, which it now is, unfortunately, and to sit under ungodly teachers and unlearn all that they are teaching them at home. No, we have a responsibility to teach our children God's ways, His Word, His character, and to prepare them to be strong, ready to go out into this deceived world. Now, they're not ready to go out when they are young, when they're little. They don't even have the truth of the word filling their lives. It takes time to get that word into their hearts, into their minds, and become part of their very being. Because God's plan for us as parents 
mothers with your little ones and mothers with your middling ones and your teenagers. It is his plan for us to not only get his word into the minds and hearts of our precious children, but into their mouths. That's the plan. Now that takes time to get it so powerfully into them. It's coming out of their mouths. Can I ask you this little question? Is God's word coming out of the mouth of your children? I speak to many young people today. I talk to many young people from Christian homes who are in Christian churches. And I am amazed at how little they know of the word. That word is not coming out of their mouths. No, everything else is coming out. Goodness me, they they know about the latest movies and the latest this and the latest that and the latest fashion. But I never hear the word coming out of their mouths. They're not prepared to go out and face a deceived nation. No, because they haven't got truth. They haven't got an answer. We have to be ready. What does it say in the word? It says that we are to be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks us a reason of the hope that is within us. And so we have to prepare our children so that they have his word in their hearts and in their minds coming out of their mouths. They've got it there, so they have got the answers to give a reason of the hope that is within them. Because especially in today's society, that truth, that hope that we have from God is so opposite to society. I remember growing up as a child in a little town in New Zealand, and even the non-Christians lived by Christian standards. Today, we don't find that. And now, even in our schools, the transgender ideology is being promoted. Colin and I were speaking at an Above Ruby's family retreat uh, just the end of last year, the last retreat we did for the year. And there were two school teachers at that retreat, Both uh, were homeschooling their own children, but of course they taught in the public school because that was their job. And this one particular guy, he got up to share and asked everyone to pray for him. He said, I am in a school where there is no other, I am the only Christian. Uh, He said that they are promoting the transgender ideology. He has two of his students in his class, 14-year-olds, who are in the process of changing their sex. He said, we are commanded to, uh, to um, what is the word, to, to encourage them and get the whole class encouraging them that this is a great thing to do. Now, this is an evil hour in which we are living, precious ones. It's an evil hour. It's, it's, it's a time when we cannot be normal. We cannot be mediocre. We have got to rise up and truly be the people of God. The, these people in our nation are a minority, but they're ruling the nation. They're ruling our schools. They're seeking to rule government because they are bold. And here we, we just stay in our little mediocrity. We've got to get out of that.
And so, even dear mothers, you, it's not insignificant what you're doing. It's powerful. It's forceful. It's got to be forceful. You have got to, oh, and this is going to take everything you have to raise children who are so strong in the truth. And you're going to have to do that while they're young and and get them stronger and stronger. So when that time comes, because there will come a time when they will have to go out, when they're older, when they're ready, and we send them out because we're not training them for hibernation. We're training them for the revelation of God into this world. But we have to get them ready for that. And as we send them out, they, they cannot be mediocre. They'll get flattened by the enemy. They'll get deceived themselves. To go out into this world, they have got to be absolutely passionate for God, to know his truth, be ready to face persecution, ridicule, but who know how to stand up for truth. Oh, what a mighty, mighty task you have as a mother. You are training children for God's end time army. You are enlisted in God's uh, plan and you are called and you are commissioned by him to do this. Please don't take your motherhood lightly. It is powerful. Take up the commission that God has given you to raise children who will be mighty soldiers in this end-time army in which we live. And so let's look at a few of these uh, characteristics that we need to have ourselves and that we also need to raise and impart into our children's lives. Number one, let's look at the words that God spoke to Joshua as they were going into the promised land. Now they had been in the wilderness for 40 years and now all those ones who didn't believe God, who were scared to go into the promised land, they've all died and there's a new generation. And uh, now Joshua is taking them in. And in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 7, I'm going to it here. Let's see. Deuteronomy 1.7. Okay. Have I got the right scripture? Let's see. Joshua 1.7. Oh, no wonder I haven't got the right scripture because I'm in Deuteronomy and it's Joshua. Yes, Deuteronomy Joshua 1.7. Let's go to this one. Get the right one here. All right. Here it is. Only be, these are the words of God to Joshua, only be thou strong and courageous. Now, those are great words, aren't they? Encouraging him, stirring him up. But actually, I didn't read it correctly. What does it really say? Only be thou strong and very 
courageous. Yes, did you notice the adjective? You see, God is always putting in the adjectives because we are never meant to be just normal or even just courageous. No, it's not enough to be strong and courageous, to go in and possess the land that God wants us to possess for him. We have to be strong and very, very courageous. All right, now what's that very? That word in the Hebrew is maod, and this is what it means. To be alert physically and mentally. Yes, you you think when you're reading about being strong and courageous, you're thinking of someone who's really strong physically. But it's more than that. It's being strong mentally and alert mentally. It means to be steadfastly minded. Nothing is going to deter you. Nothing is going to just lead you off to the right hand or the left. No, you, you've got, you have a straight course because you know what God has given you to do. It means to fortify, to strengthen. And as I think of how it means to not only be strong physically, but alert mentally, I think of First Peter 1.13 and the words say to gird up the loins of your mind. We constantly have to do this, don't we? That's a beautiful picture that Peter gives. It's in 1 Peter 1.13. Because back in those days, the men also wore long robes, but when they wanted to do something physically, they would have to gird up, pull up their long robes and tuck them in their belt so they could really walk, run or do something that took a lot of action and they couldn't have robes in their way. They had to get them out of the way. So they'd have to gird them up and tuck them in their belt. And that's what we have to do so often with our thoughts because our strength It really starts in our minds, doesn't it, ladies? If we're not strong in our thoughts, we're not going to be strong at all. We have to be strong in our thoughts. That means we have to get rid of all the uh, things around and the thoughts that hamper us uh, from action. We've got to cast them off. We've got to get rid of them. All those deceiving, deluding, disheartening, disappointing thoughts, all those thoughts that tend to despondency and despair and so on, those thoughts of self-pity, we have got to get rid of them. Gird up the loins of your mind. That's, do you remember what is the very first thing that the older women are to teach the younger women? We read about this in Titus chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. I wonder if you can think of it. I'll tell you. The very first thing it says that the older women are to teach the younger women is 
to be sober. Now, that word doesn't mean don't be drunk. It means a lot more than that. The Greek word is sophronizo. And it simply means to have a sound mind. You're thinking the right thoughts. You're not filled with thoughts of poor me and self-pity and and grumbling thoughts and and uh, thoughts that oh I wonder what's going to happen and how can I do this thoughts of negativity no you've got a sound mind and you are thinking according to the word of god that's why we have to be in the word we we've got to have the word so that we can have a sound mind so we think straight and that word comes from the greek word sophron which also means a sound mind a person who limits their own freedom and ability with proper thinking they're not just here there and everywhere and whatever i feel like i'll do no they have a purpose they have a purpose you as a mother you have a purpose you have a purpose to make your home a beautiful sanctuary for god you have a purpose to build your marriage and make it beautiful did you know precious mother that your marriage is what it is according to what you've been building into it what words you have been speaking how you have been thinking You've got to think about how you can make your marriage more beautiful, how you can make life more lovely for your husband, how you can serve him to show your love and appreciation to him. You think of words that you can speak into his life each day. You you don't go through a day without saying I love you. you have a purpose to build your home and your family and raise your children to be mighty men and women for god oh you have a mighty purpose and and so you can't fritter away your life just doing what you feel like no you you've got a purpose so you've got to stick to it that's part of having a purpose if you have a purpose you have to put aside many other things anybody who becomes great at something in their lives has to sacrifice many many other things now i'm not saying the wrong things they may be very good things they have to put aside even good things to be able to excel at the best thing that is the same for us as mothers There's many things we could go out and do, and this and that, and be involved in this and that, and they can all be good things. But often, those good things can hinder our being the very best. They can hinder our fulfilling the purpose that God has given us. because often when we get involved in too many other things those other things will tend to weaken our family life 
they will tend to fragment us as a family. And therefore, we have to keep to our purpose and decide to do those things which are going to keep our family together and strengthen it and uh, make it greater. The things that are going to make our marriage greater. And so we put aside other things, even things that are good, even things that are nothing wrong with them, but they don't fulfill our highest purpose. I wrote on my Instagram yesterday a little statement that God gave me some time back, and it says, Everything that is good comes from God. But not everything that looks good is from God. You see, there's a lot of good things, but they may not be what God wants us to do because they hinder the highest purpose that God has given us. And if we have a sober mind... We will be thinking straight. We'll not be flittering here and there and, and just, oh, yeah, that's a great idea and get involved in that and get involved in that and just go here and there. No, we, though, many of those things will fragment our family life. So we have a, a strong mind that keeps to our purpose. Now, it's, it's exciting to look at the words in the Bible. To be sober is the word sophronizo. It comes from the word sophron, having a sound mind. Seos is sound, safe, and friend, the mind. And then that comes from a, a basic word, which is sozo. Oh, I love that word, sozo. Oh, that's a very, very, very common word in the Bible. We're reading it all the time. Most of the time it's translated saved. And uh, it talks about how we can be saved from sin, but also saved from any other things in our lives too, because that word has such a full meaning. And it doesn't only mean saved from sin, that means to be saved from deception. It means to be healed, delivered, protected, preserved, and to be made whole. So many times when Jesus healed the sick, we read the words, and they were made whole from that moment. Or well, Jesus would say, your faith has made you whole. Those words made whole are also the word sozo, which means to be completely whole, healed, preserved. But I love this word because it also speaks to us as mothers. In 1 Timothy 5, 2.15, yes, 1 Timothy 2.15, it says that mothers, that we will be saved, sozo, through motherhood. As we embrace motherhood, we are saved, we are healed, we are preserved, we are delivered, and we are made whole. 
because it's a beautiful lifestyle that God has planned for us as women. We were even created for this lifestyle. We were created with a womb to bring forth a child. We were created with breasts to nurse that child. And that's why as we embrace it, we are healed and we are preserved because we are doing what we are intended, God intends us to do. Uh, continuing this strength in the mind, let's go to Second Corinthians ten four and five. I know you love this scripture. Let me go over to it. Second Corinthians. Let's see. We can find it here. Second Corinthians ten. Four and five. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. Do you notice that we have to be very, uh, very, very, what's the word? Um, strong? No, there's another word, and I haven't thought of it, but. You see here these words, the pulling down. We've got, that's the word, ruthless. That's the word I was thinking of. We have to be ruthless with our thought life. Do you get ruthless with your thought life? Or do you let it just take over your mind? Dear ladies, it's so easy for our thoughts to take over our lives. And we just, when we let these thoughts, and thoughts usually tend to negativity, they usually tend to despair, they usually tend to self-pity. And when we just let them take over, it pulls us down into the pits. And we're no good to our husband. We're no good to our children. We're no good to anybody else around us. We can't change the world when we're letting our mind be overtaken. We have to be strong. We've got to gird up the loins of our mind. Here in this scripture, it says we've got to pull down the strongholds. All those strongholds, sometimes it takes work to pull them down. We've got to be ruthless. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke that thought. It does not come from God. I will not receive it. And then we begin to to think on God's word. We think on the things that are lovely. We think good thoughts. We think the truth. We think what God says about us. Then it goes on casting down. Here again, casting down. We've got to pull down, cast down, be ruthless, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I love the Passion Translation of this passage. It says, We capture, like prisoners of war, every thought. Now, isn't that good? You've got to capture your thoughts that are negative and pulling you down. I have to do that too. Yes, and this is a good reminder to me because we're all prone to it, aren't we? But if we're going to be strong and very courageous, 
It's going to start in our thought life and we've got to be ruthless. Capture, like prisoners of war, every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the Anointed One. Since we are armed with such dynamic dynamic weaponry, we stand ready to punish any trace of rebellion. And so that has to be our attitude when we notice any rebellious thoughts, stubborn thoughts, self-pity thoughts, just airy-fairy thoughts. Oh, we've got to take them into captivity. We capture them like a prisoner of war and we just put them in prison. We get rid of them. And so we can be strong in our minds. Amen. I see that time has gone and we only talked about one point, but we'll carry on next week. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for your precious word. It shows us the way to go. Thank you for speaking to us again today and reminding us about our thoughts. Lord God, it's so easy to just let our minds go. We pray that you will help us to be very strong, very courageous, and we will be those who will not give in to deceiving thoughts. But Lord God, you will give us the strength to pull them down, cast them down, capture them, and uh, to gird up the loins of our minds so that we can think straight, so we can think correctly, so that we can be those who are sober-minded with self-control. We ask it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.